Christmas card. However gratifying this reaction, I felt that my own journey of discovery had hardly left the station platform. The scientific evidence I had amassed for the field suggested something extraordinary and even disturbing. Directed thought had some sort of central participatory role in creating reality. Targeting your thoughts or what scientists ponderously refer to as intention and intentionality, appeared to produce an energy potent enough to change physical reality. A simple thought seemed to have the power to change our world. After writing the field, I puzzled over the extent of this power and the numerous questions it raised. How, for instance, could I translate what had been confirmed in the laboratory for use in the world that I lived in? Could I stand in the middle of a railroad and, Superman-style, stop the 945 Metroliner with my thoughts? Could I fly myself up to fix my roof with a bit of directed thought? Would it now be possible to cross doctors and healers off my list of essential contacts, seeing as I might now be able to think myself well? Could I help my children pass their math tests just by thinking about it? If linear time and three-dimensional space didn't really exist, could I go back and erase all those moments in my life that had left me with lasting regret? And could my one puny bit of mental input do anything to change the vast catalog of suffering on the planet? The implications of this evidence were unsettling. Should we be minding every last thought at every moment? Was a pessimist's view of the world likely to be a self-fulfilling prophecy? Were all those negative thoughts, that ongoing inner dialogue of judgment and criticism, having any effect outside our heads? Were there conditions that improved your chances of having a better effect with your thoughts? Would a thought work any old time, or would you, your intended target, and indeed the universe itself, have to be in the mood? If everything is affecting everything else at every moment, doesn't that counteract and thereby nullify any real effect? What happens when a number of people think the same thought at the same time? Would that have an even larger effect than thoughts generated singly? Was there a threshold size that a group of like-minded intenders had to reach in order to exert the most powerful effect? Was an intention dose-dependent? The larger the group, the larger the effect? An enormous body of literature, starting with Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill, arguably the first self-actualization guru, has been generated about the power of thought. Intention has become the latest New Age buzzword. Practitioners of alternative medicine speak of helping patients heal with intention. Even Jane Fonda writes about raising children with intention. What on earth, I wondered, was meant by intention? And how exactly can one become an efficient intender? The bulk of the popular material had been written off the cuff, a smattering of Eastern philosophy here, a soupçon of Dale Carnegie there, with very little scientific evidence that it worked. 
To find answers to all these questions, I turned once again to science, scouring the scientific literature for studies on distant healing or other forms of psychokinesis or mind over matter. I sought out international scientists who experimented with how thoughts can affect matter. The science described in the field had been carried out mainly in the 1970s. I examined more recent discoveries in quantum physics for further clues. I also turned to those people who had managed to master intention and who could perform the extraordinary. Spiritual healers, Buddhist monks, Qigong masters, shamans, to be able to understand the transformational processes they underwent to be able to use their thoughts to powerful effect. I uncovered myriad ways that intention is used in real life, in sports, for instance, and during healing modalities such as biofeedback.